1: Hello everyone and welcome to the Marseille View. Uh, My name's Stefan, uh, I'm hosting tonight. I'm also joined by Ben. You alright Ben? Good thanks. Uh, Looking forward to debriefing positive positive week of results for us, apart from the Champions League. (laughs) Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, we're very Jekyll and Hyde, aren't we, at the moment. Um, I've also got uh, Jeremy joining us as well. Jeremy, how are you?
2: I'm good, Stefan. How are you? Yeah, I'm happy to to talk about uh, victory and I forgot that we even played European football this season. (laughs) Yeah, it's easy to forget, isn't it? Easy to block out.
1: Yeah, nice to have you back though. Um, Okay, so yeah, as as Ben and Jeremy have said, we've got a couple of things to talk about. So we'll be talking about um, the Man City game in the Champions League. Before we do that, we're also going to cover the recent fixture against Nîmes in, in Ligue and But I think probably the large chunk of the the podcast today will be covering yesterday's win against Monaco. Um, and if we get time as well, there's a couple of news stories that we'll try and pick up at the end. Um, but we'll see how we get on, because there's quite a few games to cover. It's been actually... Like this last few podcasts, I think we've been covering a number of games in one podcast, so plenty of football that we'll be going through. Um, so yes, we're starting off with Neem. So I think this was... When was it? It was about last Friday, wasn't it? That we played Neem um, in the yep. And we came away with a, quite a comfortable win, wasn't it? A 2-0 two, a victory, wouldn't you say? It was a comfortable victory. Yeah,
0: look, we we, we know... Um, that you can be confident when we go away from home, we're on a hell of a streak. You know, we've um, I think we're unbeaten in, in 16 or 17 games in the league away from home. Um, and we've won um, over, I think we've won 14 of those games. So you, you, I think Neem, you could see from their game plan, their intention was obviously going to be to frustrate us. They didn't create much. The, the biggest chance that they had was that they hit the bar from a free kick. But after that, it was all Marseille, really. Um, you know, Payet had a decent chance to score first. Good save by, by Rene in, in the goal for them. And um, it was just comfortable. It's what you expect from OM. You just, I, I, I watched it and just knew that we'd find the breakthrough eventually. Um, the question was, um, you know, was it going to be an easy w- result or, or were we going to have to battle for it and get a last minute winner like we did in Hasbourg? But no, it was quite comfortable.
2: Yeah, and, and I think you could really see that, as like uh, like Ben just said, we are pretty good in uh, away from home right now. But um, I think Nîmes was terribly weak. Uh, you know, they don't even get a shot on target. I don't, I didn't feel any time that they were going to be dangerous. And, and I think that when we when we want to play football properly, which we did, I think uh, in Nîmes, uh, we we can be dangerous in our offensive trio or quattro, depending how we're playing. Um, can actually do something good and defensively i think we we are going back to what we had last season where um where no one can really bother us if we are well in place um and i guess if you play against nim who like i said i think is very very weak the last um the last couple of months um it, it looked like a, such a comfortable game and so so different from what we were seeing midweek right
1: yes um, I agreed I guess one thing yeah. For, I guess you've It's sorry I'll start again the fact that Benedetto and Germain scored I think says a lot about the opposition in the game doesn't it that we were clearly playing a weaker side but I mean that was one kind of takeaway from that game wasn't Is it? It was the fact that Benedetto finally got on the score sheet um, and it seems like maybe he's been top liberated play, a little yeah. bit.
0: Yeah, and it was um, it was weird as well because Neem was sitting back deep as, as teams do against us, and and he gets the chance, and the, and the goal comes from the the only time we play a ball over the top straight from Alvaro Gonzalez to Benedetto, and you know world class finish. I mean his first touch and the way he he ran a goal after his first touch, and um, and then just lifts it over the keeper was what we what we saw from him last season when he was on form, and it's good, as you've said, Steph, it's it's great that he's hitting
1: form, especially with the running games we've got at the minute. Hmm. Um, I don't want to spend too much time talking about this game, actually, because of the other games that we're going to cover, but um, just a couple of things as well, I was thinking about. The opposition themselves, as Jeremy said, they're not, Neymar not a really strong side, and they're not having a great season, um, and I guess... Um, We've, if you look back, like our record against Nimes pretty good, isn't it? We seem to beat them every time we play them. We seem to beat them fairly comfortably, and other than that, I don't know if you remember that one game. I think it was the, I don't know if it was the season opener, or the, the second game of the season. Yeah, the it,
0: was a, it was the last season and the gutter. I was there. I was at the stadium, and that was a, uh, it was on holiday <laughs> in the south of France. We went to the yeah. game, and um, it was a rough, rough drive back to, uh, back to where
1: I was staying with Fabrice. <laughs> That was yeah, not a good yeah. night. I w- I know I remember I was at, I watched it in the bar in the South of France as well and yeah it was I remember pretty being pretty shocked actually but yeah that was the beginning of a, a, a bad time but yeah um, just yeah I guess we've Nima we sort of becoming like one of those you know a team that we kind of we we're always sure to pick up three points from wouldn't you think you know you like if we've got a bogey team they're the opposite of that I, w- I guess I I would say.
2: Yeah, they're one of our one of our favorite opponents, and I think I think with teams that are supposedly weaker, where well, Marseille always struggles, is if they play against a team who actually can play fast in counter attack. So I'm thinking about Angers, who does that really well, um, and Nim. I think when they beat us that season, uh, they had Blackar as a coach, and Blackar is quite an offensive-minded coach so it was it, it was hard and then and then we lost uh but so now they with Apinon, had
0: um, seven years well didn't
2: they yeah they did have seven yeah, then that's true yeah. um but then up you know now when you hear when they won 1-0 I think it was three or four weeks ago he said something like I'll take it any day that we win one zero without even playing well that's not going to work against every team and if you if you play if you defend low fair enough but if you don't have uh there's not one weapon offensively for Nim to actually attack fast like repar can be good but it looks like he's the only one doing everything. Uh yeah they definitely look like one of our one of our favorite um team to play with and I think that was also the best way to finish that that twelve match run where on the calendar it really looks like we had Six hard games to start with, you know, Saint Etienne, Lyon, Lille, Paris Saint Germain, and then six games where it looks like we were supposed to get results. Mind you, two of them were delayed, um, postponed because of COVID. Uh, but yeah, it looked like that was the very last game where we were supposed to win comfortably, and uh, an hour plus, yeah, the the bad run that Nîmes was on, uh, yeah, it was much needed. and perfect time to to meet them.
0: Yeah, they're are a good. I think, as you said, they're they're favourable opposition for the, for us as a club. But um, Benedetto's got five goals in three games against them as well, so he obviously likes playing them.
1: Yeah, he had that hat trick, didn't he, last season as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, in the same yeah, that, grounds. Yeah, That's what I mean. It seems like we're, we the last few games we've had against them have looked pretty good. Um, they're a team that seem to make us look good. Um, yeah, I, I and Jeremy, you, I just said, you p- talked about. Uh, uh, I, I love that player I think he's a great little player he just like it, his work rate just, I really appreciate him um, he's not even a striker really is he he's like a full wing back or something I think originally but uh, yeah he's, I don't know some, sometimes some yeah, players have a... just got character you know that you like mm, I don't know I, I really like him Me, my dad talk about name quite a lot and him as well in particular as a player that was just um, I don't
2: he know I, on the left side.
1: Yeah, like he's got that kind of vibe doesn't <laughs> he like um just, I mean, not saying he's good enough for Marseille, but I just like sometimes I think, um, you know, we, well, I guess we've got Germain, but um, we could benefit from players like that up front who like show a bit more drive because our forward line re- recently, you, you know, we as we've been talking about in the podcast, can look very flat and um, just lacking in sort of drive, enthusiasm, you know. So, um, I guess something to learn from 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 the other guys. They should be watching. Guys came like a bit yeah, more. I think, I,
0: think I, just, I I was just going to conclude that my, my takeaway from the game was the um, it was actually a quite entertaining highlight was Avb getting sent off. Um, but rather than focus on on his sending off and his touchline antics afterwards, about I think he spent a good five minutes wandering around the stands choosing a seat, and the guy was telling him, "No, no, no, you can't sit that close to the bench." And he was like, "Screw you, I will sit where I want." Um, <laughs> But um no, I think that, I think that the the main takeaway for me is that yet again in Ligue, 1, after half an hour we had we already had four fucking yellow cards, you know? And and the first file of the game after two minutes is a yellow card for us. And it's um that's that's why he got sent off. He got he you know, he got really annoyed at the refs for the excessive bookings. But it it's becoming a recurring theme because Payette was missed yesterday suspended. Thankfully we won anyway, but um, you know, we're just going to have a lot of accumulations of a lot of, of bookings for players like Amavi and Sakai, and those are positions where we're, we're really stretched thin. So it's, it's it's understandable that he got annoyed and sent off, and he's apologised, cetera. But it, as usual, we we just get booked every time we um, we commit a foul, apparently.
2: Yeah, and I think it's it's probably a mix of. Um... I guess sometimes the foul we make, because that's the, the way the way Villas-Boas wants to defend. He doesn't want to give anybody a chance to get a counter-attack. So sometimes, yesterday we saw it with Samson as well, very early on, um, where they do those fouls in the midfield. But I think also, and, and I keep saying that in, in my podcast, like I keep a tally of the red card. I think this season the French refs are really over the top with any kind of red card. I was, I was surprised yesterday, hey, Tobin didn't get sent off. Uh, for the penalty, we'll talk about it later. Um, but uh, but yeah, it definitely looks like the the guidelines of refereeing in Liga this season is much much harsher, but also somewhat inconsistent. Like the same foul will be reviewed and given a red card in VAR, uh, or not nothing at all in other games. It's it's been really uh, I feel like it's been very poor this season refereeing.
1: Just, I think wrapping it up with that game, so we can move on. Is there any takeaways that you have, you had from the the Neim match? I, I think
0: that that was it for me. Yeah, it's just the, the you know the bookings and um, happy that Benedetto's back on form as well.
1: Yeah, uh, Jeremy. Anything else from yourself? Yeah,
2: for, for me was the um, something that I think we we see since the beginning of the season is uh, is that Cuisance. Um, every other game can be really, really good. Um but yeah, when I saw him play against him I was like, Oh great but also with a bit of a hopefully he can do that again, but we, we've seen that every other week he's not as good as it should be.
1: Okay. Um I guess for me same as Ben, it's just the fact that Benedetto got on the score sheet. Um yeah, so even if it wasn't, you know, an open goal but it was um from open play, sorry, it's a it's a start, isn't it? Um so yeah, so after Neem we faced Man City in the Champions League midweek, so it was on Wednesday. So this was a game that I guess we went into this game with very little to play for really because we were going into the game, if we pick up any points, you know, there's a possibility we could snatch a Europa League place again over Olympiacos, but that was always looking quite unlikely given that Olympiacos were playing Porto uh, more likely to pick up points than us and we are playing Man City in Manchester. Um it all became kind of irrelevant anyway, didn't it, because um we, we lost quite convincingly. But so although the score was three nothing was it three nothing to Man City? Um although the score was three nothing to Man City, um I think it's fair to say in the first half, in glimpses, we were probably a little bit better now than most of our other Champions League games, wouldn't you say? I didn't no, think that, it was that quite as bad.
0: Yeah, it was was our best performance so far in the Champions League. And and the scoreline is is very harsh, but we know that it can go very quickly when you're playing teams of that quality. Um, But, you know, if if, I think Sanson had a great uh, volley near the end of the first half, if that goes in and you won the left, then you, you would look back on that half thinking... You know, Camara had a great first half. Pat Gabe was—he's immense. Um, I think he—you know—you you watch him play, and you—you—you you, you have to remind yourself this—this this guy is a kid. You know, he's a teenager who comes from the second division, and he's—he um, was bossing the midfield for for large portions of the um, the final fifteen minutes of the um, of the of the first half. So. I think, you know, we're, we're, I guess we're not going to dwell too much on the game because we lost and we're out of Europe and, and it's, you know, we'll go again next year, hopefully, we we qualify again and we'll, we'll perform better. But um, I think after, after winning against Olympiacos and breaking the curse, we actually looked in the first half like a team that deserved to be in the Champions League competing at that level. And we showed that we're capable of, of you know, actually playing decent football and being quite solid at the back. Um, it 's just a shame that it was a dead rubber game and um, and and you know that the outcome was always going to be the outcome, so we can take positives because we we have some very positive spells the way we played, but at the same time i 'm I'm glad i 'm glad it 's finished <laughs> i 'm glad we 're out of Europe and that it's
2: finished yeah i think uh, I agree with ben on that on that last one i 'm glad it 's finished, and i 'm glad we can. Um i guess focus on Ligue 1 and try and qualify again for the champions league uh, as far as the game itself i think you know we weathered the the first 5 10 minutes where manchester city was quite dangerous and then yeah it looked like we took the game to them and for the yeah for a good 25 to to 30 minutes um Manchester City couldn't get the ball out, and we were really good at actually pressing them and making sure that they couldn't get the ball easily, at least in the middle of the field. And whenever it goes on the wings, um, like like we start seeing almost every weekend now, um, Rangier is very quick to close in. Gay, same same as you said, been very impressed by Gay uh, on that game. He's uh, so, sorry to correct you; he's not a teenager anymore. He's 21 years old, but still um, his first experience in uh, in Liga and in Champions League and and st- really really impressive. It just has that very very it looks it looks a bit clumsy sometimes when you run when he's got the ball to fit, but he's very sure technically. The ball stays in his feet, the passing uh is right and it, and it I guess it changes a little bit from Sanson, who runs a lot but is maybe not as sure um technically as he is. Uh yeah then unfortunately when, when you play against Man City you might you might consider every occasion and we see it straight away in the second half. Uh, but I think it was positive, and it sort of reminded me as well that um, that curse that we had, um, if anything, out of those all those games that we've lost, maybe this season uh, Olympiacos and Porto were a bit shameful but all the games before were against teams that were definitely better than us uh, and where sometimes we played well and that's a run that started uh, in Champions League quarterfinal so I was always annoyed when everyone reminded me of that run here uh, here in Australia when my friend was but Marseille were saying that because I was always like oh but he was against Naples and Dortmund and Arsenal and Bayern Munich Um, but anyway yeah it was a Man City is, is a big team and I think it's not a lot of teams are going to be able to bring the fight to them for for over half an hour. Um, and that was uh, somehow the best way to leave the, the Champions League. And at least it probably brought the team some confidence that when they're going to play against bigger team and, and Monaco and then Rennes coming up, um, they're able to actually stop those teams from playing if they are um, very disciplined defensively moving
1: on well looking at the aftermath of the match right so we
2: that's us crashed out of europe
1: um i don't know where do we go from here is this a, if you, is this a big shock for us to come out of the champions league with nothing not even a europa league place or do you feel that this was expected and what do you think the repercussions are of this well the,
0: the financial first of all um because you, you know, you're, you're. I mean, I don't, I'm not going to say, I, I, I think when we did the, the you know, the sort of preview after the group stage draw with with Lucan and Youssef, I think Lucan and I both were quite realistic in saying, look, I'll be happy if we finish third, but you'd never know, get a result in the first game against Olympiacos and some momentum and, and those two games against Porto, if you get one win out of the two games, then... You could be on six points after three games, you know, so or four games. But it didn't happen, wasn't meant to be. We were frankly embarrassing for for four of, of the games. Um and it's you know, we just know that that and the players I think have realised the standards that, that, that they need to improve to, but also they realised that they need to work hard and, and in a way it has remobilised them. It could have gone one of two ways. the, the players could have completely, you know, lost it. Which they probably would have done under under Garcia back in the day and, and they could have, you know, stopped focusing and, and um stopped supporting the coach. But it's very relieved to see that they actually rallied around A V B and and it's led to six wins out of six in, in the league. Um, which means that the players have have taken it in the right way as as a lesson. Um, and have worked hard and, and are, are steadily improving the way they perform in the league. And, are, and, and are, you know, we're, we're seeing that on the pitch. So it's disappointing financially as well, because we we we, we, did, we did a deal, didn't we, with the Financial Fair Play Commission to pay a fine and also give them um, a percentage of our, of our revenue. Um, and, and the problem is with empty stadiums, that revenue was just solely the, the TV money. And it means that instead of getting... Um, you know, with a full house stadium for free home games you, and, and the TV money, you could expect to get around 50, 55 million in, in revenue for the, camp, for the group stage campaign. Uh, because of the empty stadium, we've, we've effectively, I think we've walked away with 36 million. Um, and that's including the, 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 the money that we've had to pay as a fine. So where do we go from here? We, we go again next year, hopefully. And I think that the big lesson is and definitely the lesson is for the board. You cannot, you know, um, get, get, get teenagers on loan like Ballardy and Cuisance and Gay and Nagatomo and expect to, um, you know, to be able to measure yourself against the teams that are established in the competition and have been playing it consistently for the last 15 years. So that is the lesson, is that if we go back, we need to sign players that, that know Champions League level.
2: Yes, I think I definitely agree with with Ben on, on those two things. The first thing is uh, the difference between Garcia and AVB. Uh, you know, we keep saying that AVB is that people, players, manager who's great with players, and they give it back to him. And yeah, those those three games, four games that were quite embarrassing for us, uh, whether it was AVB or the or the players' fault, um, they definitely turned it around, and it could have been a collapse. Uh, but also, um, with the recruitment, it highlighted that you know we were just talking about repair for him. You need a player of that that has that grinding mentality, but also the the Champions League, um, the Champions League experience. And and I had I had a thin hope that Nagatomo might be able to bring that if he had been. You know, if he had been come earlier, or if I'd been playing more games, uh, because that's what he was known for when he was playing in, in Inter Milan back then. Uh, but yeah, you you need definitely a couple of players that have that experience, that have um, that can come into the game and tell everyone else, guys, we need to wake up because it's Champions League. Uh, but I also think, um, as as we all know, that. A Champions League game in Marseille without the fans is such a different story than a Champions League game with the fans. So there was a, a lot of little things that, that didn't help because with the fans in a game against, um, against Porto at home um, might change altogether because the players will realize, realize there and then that they're not giving enough. Um, So yeah, to me one of the main consequences um, besides financially is that it actually puts uh, a bit of pressure on the team now to perform because if not being in the Champions League anymore if we can't make it to a top three spot by the end of the year and we know that uh, obviously PSG but Lille and Lyon are maybe the favourites with with how they've been playing since the beginning of the season um, that, that means that the season will almost be a a failure because you don't, you can't hide anymore behind playing every three days. Mind you, when you played every three days, you won your six games in Liga. Um, so you're going to have to make sure that you perform for the second half of the season when all you have to do is focus on Liga.
1: Okay, I realised I forgot to ask you what your takeaways were from the game. Is do you have a takeaway that, um, from this defeat to Man City that you want to mention? before we move on. Oh,
0: I I just think you well, I just think you you know, we highlighted that you focus on the um on the, the spell where we, we did hold our own ground and we, we put some good moves together in, in the, the the first half. You know, solid defensively, ride the pressure, uh, and then um we we did create a couple of chances and we just didn't didn't score. But um I, I gay gay for me is the highlight to take away from that game and if if anybody had doubts that he couldn't just slot into the team and, and be a consistent performer. I think we've got enough evidence now that shows that he is, you know, he's got a solid profile for his physical dominance. And he's got, a, he's got an impressive range of passing for, um, you know, for a for a, for a, a sort of relatively inexperienced player. And he's left footed as well, which which does offer some, some alternatives in that midfield. So takeaway is, you know, I, I want to see more games starting more games.
2: Yeah, I think the the main takeaway for me was our ability to shut down a team as good as Manchester City. And, you know, we all talk about uh, how Guardiola likes to have his own, um, uh, what's the word in English, circuit preference, yeah, like the favorite, favorite path within the field. Uh, and I think um, AVB really looked like he really studied um, Guardiola's game and was able to shut down. All of those uh, favorite pathways for that half hour in in the first half, uh, and it showed that if the whole team is defending together, we can we can definitely be a bother for for any team. And with us with the ball, uh, yeah, same, I think Kamara and Gay in the midfield were quite impressive.
1: Okay, I think for me, um, the takeaway from the Man City defeat is, um, we just. I I I guess I feel like I'm at a stage where this. Team in this project, I think is not able to reach that level. I feel like it just highlighted how limited we are um, and how much we need. If we want to, if we've got ambition as a club to reach that next level, then we need a significant shake up, um, and that would probably require a completely a new project, probably a completely new owner because it with a lot of money. Because I just can't really see. How we're going to build towards anything at the moment? Um, it only looks like it's going to get worse and worse with with the financial um, problems that we're likely to have in the future. You know, I think Avb was talking about it with the post game about what to ex- about what to expect next season. You know, I think he said something about next season is what was it year zero or something like that? If I don't vaguely remember, was the was <laughs> yeah. the quote um, that's, said that's not really, really, really reassuring, is it? No. And I, yeah, so I just feel like this game highlighted that we, going back to the Champions project and everything we promised I know we've talked about it so many times and over the last couple of years in the podcast, but it's dead, you know We've and we're never we're not catching PSG or anyone in this with this current project, and we're not going to do anything in the Champions League anytime soon with this current project um, so I, I mean we'll be lucky if we get in it again, but yeah, I just feel like it really showed that how far we are behind. And I know it was a better performance than other Champions League performances, but it was shit, you know. It was still not good enough. Um, we, we were still, there was moments where we were okay, but for the most part it was a disappointing performance. And I think that we think it was probably okay because we've been we've become so used to the terrible performances that we saw in four of the other games, arguably five of them, because the one that we won against Olympiacos, we were actually shit in that one as well. Um, we won it because of two penalties. Um, so, yeah, I would say, actually, that all our Champions League performances were terrible. and So, off the you know, oh 06, not even the the 4 there. Um, and, I, I mean, I particularly... If I was going to be hard on any one player, I think Tovan is probably one that, for me, it's, this game probably highlighted that he is probably not going to, and he's probably not at the level that maybe I think I had hoped he was, or I'd, I'd thought he might be in the past. Um, so so yeah.
2: disappointing, isn't it?
1: It is really disappointing, isn't it? Because I think we probably thought that we had the elements of the team that were that you know there was some quality in the team and that maybe we might get some interesting results and 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 put up some good performances and have some good moments at certain times. But it's nah, I'm not really seeing it. You know, I don't think we do have that like the like the kind of moments we had in the Europa League. Run in 2018. Champions League's a different level, and those guys are older. And you know your Piets and and Tolvan as well. I know he's not old, but he's a couple years older. Come back after an injury. He's he's doesn't look like he's as good as he was either. So no, I think it just for me it was a bit of a downer. So I my takeaway is that this away is just not good enough. Really for that level?
0: Agree. Yeah, agree, agree, and um, I think Duvai is, is the same. The, the, yeah, the assessment is fair. Is that maybe it's a step too high for him in this Marseille team? Maybe in a team, you know, if he was at Bayern Munich, maybe we'd see him perform better, or whatever, because he's, you know, he's got a team behind him and they've got possession more consistently, etc. But yeah, we, I think people saw him as as our key key player, our X factor coming, coming into this season. After he was out all of last season, and the fact is, no, you know, he wasn't up to the standard in Champions League. However, he's got forty goals and six assists. Um, So, as much as we we dissected his, five goals in the league. league. Yeah, I mean, um, the the way we dissect it, you know, we we are going to struggle to replace his contributions in in the league if he does leave.
1: Yeah, okay. I think um, with that, we'll just probably move on. From that game and on to a slightly more um, cheerful game, which uh, was yesterday's match against Monaco, which we came away with a 2-1 victory. It's a sixth straight victory in a row in the league, and this one was a pretty solid performance for the most part, I, I would say. Um, we started off brightly, got two early goals, and played the system, which you know I had, a, had doubts about in the past, but it worked quite well. It's very efficient um, and I mean maybe there was a little bit of a drop the last 20 minutes or so it was a bit shaky but for the most part this was a good solid performance against a team which we feared might give us a lot more problems than they did wouldn't you say? Yeah well it could have
0: been it was almost it could have been very scary you know within the first 30 seconds they could have been a goal up if Ben Yedder had, the, had, had was you know was in the game and was concentrating um, but as you say, yes, the system is, is now bearing fruit. The players are drilled in, in that system. But I think it's, it's also a fitness thing. And, and that's credit to the, the staff and the players. Because I think we, you know, we, when analysing performances a month ago, we were saying Rangier particularly looked like he wasn't 100% fit. And he was, you know, he was drifting in and out of games. And a um, few other players, we, we had the same complaints. Um, but you, you, you see the difference with a fully-fit and in-form Rangier, and Tamara next to him, and Gary. You see the difference, and, and Rangier is covering a hell, you know, hell of a lot of ground. Um, yes, the performance dips in the second half because we, we just can't sustain that, that pressing and chasing them down like we were. But so, you know, our two goals come from us pressing them in, in the middle of the park, getting the ball back, and, and going straight through to, to goal. Um, so that's, you know, that's what we want to see and that's, that's the proof that, that the system does work and the players have, have, have adapted to their roles in that system. Um, and yeah, it's just, you know, we, we, we don't create many chances, but we just seem very good at burying the ones that we do create and um, credit to, to, to the team, but credit to, to the staff as well, because they, they're drilling them well and... We're very precise. We we don't need twenty chances to score a goal. We need one or two and, and we do we do often get the goal. So yeah, Tovar, great you know, great, great positioning. I think it was very intelligent the way Benedetto sort of bought time in the box for the first goal and then squares it to him on his head. And Tovar moves, you know, he's intelligent enough to change his run at the last minute and go to the far post instead of the near post. And then um the second goal is is you know, brilliant again. Um Benedetto's finish, fantastic. Not an easy finish, on, on, hitting it on the volley like that. And advance Cross is, is, you know, pinpoint accuracy. So I think yes, the first half probably one of our best of the season so far. Second half, we, we just looked like we were a bit rinsed, and, and I think Monaco just got back into the game a bit as well.
2: Yeah, I, um, I don't know why I have such a bad. Uh feeling even after that game despite the win uh, I mean I, I guess maybe it should be said that the game was at 3 a.m for me and I finished work at midnight and so I slept two hours and then woke up to watch it so maybe I was also in a bad mood when I woke up to watch the game That is dead <laughs> but uh... <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I think you know we got lucky obviously with Ben Yadier. and then I think the two goals although um, I think they are beautiful in the, the accuracy of the pass and and the clinical finishing, um, they, they come from two mistakes from Monaco, like almost almost three mistakes because that defensive uh, performance by Disasi on the second uh, goal, where I don't know who is defending, but he's just not looking at the other player that's in the in the box, uh, was weak. Um, I, I just um, I guess from that game again, I could take the positive takeaway that we had in Man City, that when we want to press all together. We pressed well, but it felt like every time we actually had the ball, we didn't know what to do with it. Um, and and the, the credit that I think we can give is that maybe AVB now knows that. So, um, again, he, st- he studied Monaco, and the, the goals come both from the same kind of um, action where Monaco has the ball. They can't come into the middle of the pitch because it's closed by Marseille player, and as soon as the, goal, the ball goes to one of the... Um, Fullbacks, you got one of our midfields coming to close and force them to make a mistake, and then we score. So, our counter pressing, as they call it, uh, works well. Uh, but besides that, when we had the ball, there was nothing in cuisance that like I said last week was good, this week um, was quite uninspired and then had to be replaced. And so, I think AVB may have seen that when we have the ball, we can't do anything, and then that's when we go from that 4 4 to diamond to um to a four two three one and then he gets Germain in to make sure that defensively the work gets done. Um and so you know, if maybe we say again that Vilas Boas is a genius and he reads his teams perfectly and he knows when they can do something and when they can't. Uh, but I guess I I was a little bit disappointed because um because with the ball to fit I feel like again we were yeah we were a bit sad to watch.
1: But I guess one thing as well that we I could pick out from this game is just looking at the scorers we saw again Benedetto on the score sheet he scored a pretty nice goal actually and I, I think for the both goals the, the two followers Benedetto and Tovan linked up really well really nicely together so that's kind of promising isn't it to see that maybe they can play well together as a front two Yes,
0: yeah, well I think we, we've criticised the system and, and I think Tovan especially and Benedetto and now that they're, I think they're just fairly fit. I think the team is now reaching peak fitness at the right time. And it was actually, compare it to last season, it's similar similar timings because we've gone on the same run of results around the same time of the year. And um, yeah, physically fit. I think they've got a better understanding of each other as well, Benedetto and Tovan. Um, so they, they, they now find each other a bit easier. Um, so yeah, it's... Good, good that they're scoring. You want your strikers to score and, and they're both, they assisted each other as well. And it's, um, it, it's, but yet then again, as, as Jeremy said, it, it's an issue where, yes, we could score two goals, but we're actually not producing that much on, on, you know, on the flip side of it. The rest of the game, we're good at taking our chances, but we're just not very good at creating chances. And you know, Payet being absent, maybe, maybe had the play the part in that. But, um, yeah, I will uh, again I, I think he's your new uh, your new victim that you like bashing, but Chozan's it's he's too inconsistent still. I don't he, he barely contributed anything yesterday. I was um I think he he, he drifts in and out of games too much and he, he tends to, to pick difficult passes or hold on to possession a bit too long and he he was my main my main disappointment from yesterday's game because it's he, he's a bit of a passenger at the minute he needs to find his feet and he needs to find them quickly
2: and you're wondering if you're wondering if you you stop playing maybe because you scored those two goals early which then you can you can forgive you know you you're being given two two goals so you you take them and then why would you keep attacking against a team that you know is actually very good in counter attack because they were trying to to put the ball but, but yeah he, he was disappointed that we couldn't um, Hold the ball, but yeah, I guess that that yeah. My negative side is, like you said, we didn't we didn't see anything being made after, and the positive is maybe it was it was on purpose. It's, it's just hard to see um, that that's what we offer. And and again, the same way we talk about Cuisance Gay when he comes in um, instead of Sanson, uh, I felt like solidified what was already a little bit solid, but definitely made it. Like, um, sorry, allowed us to be able to actually keep the score where it was um, because of how good he is, both defensively and offensively.
1: Okay, um, I know you've kind of already answered this, but um, who were your tops and flops for the game? Uh,
0: Rongier and Benedetto. Um, for me, the tops, um, Tovin, top in the first half, um, where he was playing very simple, which is the way we'd like it. Um, he, he, he's got a bit of that Mbappe syndrome where he, he goes for the, you know, he, he tries to dribble too often and stuff, and he, he reverted back to type in the second half, which coincided with us losing possession very, very quickly when we got the ball back when Monaco were, were, were dominating us. But yeah, um, I, I can't really pick a flop, to be honest. Maybe Nag- Nagatomo, just because he, he, he looks like he's, he is finished for, for this level of football, sadly. Yes, he, he, you know, he, was, he wasn't decisive, but it, it was an okay performance. He compensated his, his lack of pace and energy for with, with good positioning. But you know, it, it, but why the fuck did we go and get him instead of keeping an, an, um, Nkunku or signing a younger profile? I just I struggle to understand. Ah,
2: um, oh, nice. we we're, we're... A bit of a disagreement with with Nagatomo. Uh, for for the tops, I think um, first half Tova, uh, Benedetto, and, uh, and yeah, Rangier. I think Mandanda did some good stuff as well. Uh, for the flop, um, I think second half Tova. That penalty kick is uh, is shambles. Who would put a foot that high in the box ten minutes before the end of the game when you're up to nil? Um, that, that was to me that was terrible. Um, Cuisance, I think, wasn't good enough, and, and that's probably about it for, for Nagatomo. Just to come back to it, uh, I agree that he doesn't have the pace that he used to have. But the one or two things that I think he brings to the team and that really helps is first his his positioning, like you rightfully so, like you pointed out. Um, I think on that second goal, especially the fact that he's so up high the pitch um, helps us recovering that ball and scoring the the second goal. Um, Sorry, that was the first goal, excuse me. Uh, And also, I think the difference between him and Amavi is during the game, he always finds himself in a position where he's actually available where you want him to be. So Amavi always has that way of just taking down the wing, down the wing, um, and that's it. But Nagatomo always looks where the his midfield and his winger are and creates that triangle. And I feel like that was something that I hadn't seen in a while from any of our fullback. I mean, mind you, I don't expect anything less from any fullback, but I don't think that Amavi can do that that well. Um, that said, I agree that we should have kept Enkungu and uh, and that we didn't really have to to go to somebody who's 12 years older uh, to play the, the position. But I thought yesterday he wasn't... Um, too disappointing, uh but yeah, my main flop was definitely still going
1: okay, um I'm not really sure to be honest uh, I think pff, top pff, uh, maybe I don't know, uh, I guess maybe i yeah maybe or maybe even just Benedetto just for the goal and um, for the nice goal I, like I'm just pleased to see him actually. Confidence like that in front of goal again. I mean, not seeing his performance was outstanding or anything like that. But um, and flops. Yeah, I think I'm going to say Nagatomo. To be honest, I just can't really see the point in that purchase. To me, it's just I don't like him. <laughs> I've complained about him <laughs> previously in the podcast. I'm not going to go into it in a huge amount of detail, but I just, I just don't. I don't. He's my new Benassar I think. He's, I just don't see the point in being in the pitch. I <laughs> mean, surely, surely we can find somebody else in the youth team or something that's or, or can offer a bit more than him, perhaps. What well, yeah, Rocky? We, more, never, we more, never, um, never, ever gave Rocky a chance. So, um, well, he's injured. He's yeah, injured. He's, he's injured. out for he's three injured. weeks. But yeah, ABV was, was asked about that, and um,
0: you know, even, even more interesting is he's blatantly said. Yeah, when he when he's fit again in January, we're going to find a new club for him. And <laughs> it's like, fuck. All right then. Um, yeah, you basically, you know, after freezing out um, Mitrogli you've now frozen out Rocchio as well. In in a position where, you know, if if one of those players gets injured or is suspended, then we are going to start struggling for for fit players. And it's, uh, I think we, should, I, I'm of the opinion we should at least keep him in the, in the squad until the end of the season, and then let him go if we replace him, but. You know if he's willing to um to, to to offload him in in january then it's, it's yeah it's it's really surprising. I'd rather hopefully get game time than Nagatomo for sure, but a v b
1: knows best apparently but i'm I'm not sure he does to be honest and i'm I'm having doubts about his um judgment in the transfer market. I'm not entirely convinced that. Enrique was a, a smart buy either at the moment. so um, And I think I actually read something the other day which AVB said that they might have made a mistake on that in terms of buying a number nine. But, not in yeah, the, Lee not Lee that Enrique's Keefe not Keefe's a good Keefe's. player, but that he might not be the right the, the posi- to f- um, fit the position that they were hoping to fill. Exactly that, yeah. They keep have reported
0: it in sensationalist fucking gossip press. Style saying, you know, they've just taken the quote out of context and said, "Oh, AVB saying we've made the mistake with Enrique." And no, the full the full sentence was, "We made the mistake thinking Enrique could could play number nine. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. It is rather telling that it's. Uh, it, it, it's again. Hopefully, he gets more time. And and I've I've not disliked what I've seen from Enrique so far, but I just don't think we can judge him because we've not seen enough of him, but hopefully he's, he, he's able to stake a claim and get more regular game
2: time. Okay, so... How um, interesting, oh, sorry. Sorry, How interesting was it that, that week where L'Equipe did that sensational thing and then Longoria said we're looking for strikers is when Benedetto finally got his confidence and his groove back.
1: Which means then we'll end up not buying anyone if Benedetto's yeah, doing probably. well. That's my worry. Because they'll say, well, Sherman can still do his job, as backup as useless backup striker. Um, we've got to have one useless one out of the two, isn't it? So, um, yeah, so... <laughs> ta- um, takeaway. So what was your um, takeaway from the game against Monaco?
0: Well, I think, Jeremy, you, you came up with the title for the, the episode, which was hit for six. And, uh, yeah, six wins in a row, guys. Um, we've played some pretty difficult games as well. And I think... Hadi, interestingly, was probably highlighted that the, the most difficult one we're going to have is probably Angers. Um, but we are playing away in Rennes on Wednesday. Um, so, yeah. Guys, we're winning, we're winning, we're winning. We've still got these two games in hand. Virtually right now, Lyon won 1-0 up against PSG at half-time. Um, if we win both games in hand in, in January, we're four points clear at the top of the table if we maintain form between now and then. And the takeaway is that we... Yes, as we said earlier on in the episode, it could have it could have all the wheels could have come off completely with the embarrassing results in Champions League. But no, the players have stuck at it and um we are very impressive in the league and very hard to beat.
2: Yeah, I think that's the takeaway, right? The takeaway is the three points. Uh two two shots on target, two goals against Hasbro, one shot off target, one goal. Uh, six games in a row that we win, Uh, three of them where we've seen maybe three and a half of them where we've seen good football as well. Uh, So yeah, I think the takeaway is that we are building that confidence that uh, team should fear us and team should know that uh, we can score at any time, even if there's not any opportunity coming our way. So I think in my mind, uh, the main takeaway is that we are building a very healthy uh, confidence in our game and we're stepping away from um, some sort of psychological crisis where we're not sure if we can win. Uh, the second takeaway would be uh, Benedetto, who scores his third goal in three games.
1: Okay. Um, what would my takeaway would be? I think, I guess, yeah, just as he's kind of already touched upon, thinking about how and not as much as I'm not sure I like it, the system that we play and the way the way that we play, I'm not a fan of. But we are really a well-organised unit at times, aren't we? And I think the Monaco game showed that, that the team is... is AVB's got a... He's trying to put together a, a machine, I guess, if you want to put it like that. And it's the parts are fitting quite nicely and everyone's doing their job and we're efficient um, at times, we're effective. In a game like that against Monaco, we, got, we went out did what we needed to do early, Control, you know, we were hitting them in the counter-attack well, we were hold, holding, the back line was holding up well. As I said, I know that at the end it was a bit shaky, but for the most part, it was well, a really well-organised um, team, and I think that that's one thing, I guess, that we can be pleased about, is that this we're not a team that, not counting Champions League in games like Man City, but we're not a team that's easy to beat normally, we're a team that... Well, can really hold their own and we're able to keep picking up points and I think if we keep doing that so we might not be as talented aside as some of our rivals in the league, you know PSG, Lyon, probably Lyre as well um, if we keep picking up points as we're doing and, and we're difficult to beat then we're in with a chance, you know we can we can make that podium um finish if we if we keep this up I think and at the moment I just feel that our system is so well organized that I think we probably will be in amongst the top four or five, you know, at the business end of the season. I think we'll be we'll be in amongst it so um providing nothing major happens like you know, like Tovan breaks his leg or anything like that, so yeah. So that's my takeaway, is that AVB kind of seems like he knows what he's doing, even if I don't like it. Okay, so I th- we've got a few minutes left, actually, and maybe there's a couple of little news stories that we can pick up very briefly before we, we close the show. So the first one is um, and we'll start with the, the news about OM Next Generation. So this is the project, isn't it, that, that Hero and um, Zubi I guess sort of led a couple of years back to try and d- develop partnerships with local clubs and so that OM could get access to the best, brightest talent in the region and ensure that the formation was continuing to produce quality players because that's something that has obviously been an issue with Marseille for a number of years and we've actually seen as well, some interesting local players appear at other clubs, and who haven't come through our own or our own team. So, if you think about Fofana, for example, Leicester City is a good example. Somewhat a local kid who seemed to have escaped us. Um, so, yes, yeah, so they put in place agreements with uh, with some local clubs and. It's not how long was it two years into the partnership i don 't know how long it 's been, but it seems to be falling apart doesn 't it
0: well yes, so factually over the last sort of week uh, Burel who were the clubs that Maxim Lopez came from, they withdrew um, and and they just gave they refused to comment initially and then it, it came out indirectly that it's a, apparently it's a bit of an admin nightmare because OM are, 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 are expecting a lot of paperwork and processing and stuff and they've they've also had incidents where the the agreement with o m that o m has made with these clubs is they would leave the players and not you know not try and poach them until they were fourteen minimum and there's been three or four incidences apparently where they've they've poached players under fourteen and um I just think I think the whole thing initially was done as a PR stunt. And um, interestingly, I was reading José Nigo's comments because they interviewed him at the time it was done and he was like, it is a PR stunt because effectively, um, kids, you can throw all the money you want at these clubs. The the decision makers are the kids' parents and the kids themselves. And if if they still reckon that they have a better chance of becoming professional footballers and getting first-team football at clubs like Montpellier, Lyon... Nîmes, Monaco, uh, to name a few that are close to us, and nice then they're going to they're choose other clubs. And frankly, we can, we can see it. it. You know, it's been um, it's been a bit of a clusterfuck because the two players that we have who are playing first team football elsewhere, Liagi and then Kunku, we weren't willing to give them give them the salaries that the market is paying for those players. So that's And we go out and buy this 10 million Brazilian, Luis Enrique, and we bring in Nagatomo to play left-back. And you're thinking, you know, if you're a young kid or a teenager, you're thinking, well, what's the fucking point of joining OM? Because I'm not going to play. And I'm not going to get paid as much as I would elsewhere. So what started off as a PR point, you know, PR stunt to show these local clubs some love and put us at least into contention when it comes to um, them having, you know, not not bad-mouthing OM and having a positive view of the club and of Ero and of the, you know, Longoria, then um, Longoria, has now snowballed into an absolute clusterfuck because it, loads of clubs are withdrawing from, from the agreement. And actually, you're sort of questioning the actual use of it because effectively, if, if they're not guaranteed that they're going to... Um, uh, and, and you wouldn't expect this anyway because that's not the way it works, but, you, you know, if there's no guarantee that they're going to... Prioritise OM and, and give OM first dibs on these players, then th- th- there's no point really. Um, and also with COVID, you can imagine that the club has probably see- seeked to lower their their contributions financially to these to these little local teams, and probably didn't go down well either. Um, but it's you know it is it, it's just an ongoing issue. The youth program. Um, I think Lage Nasser Larguer, who came in last season, has done some positive things, whereas he's you know, I think we have more teams playing in, in the top sort of um, divisions in the region in terms of the reserves and, and the youth teams. But one of the things he did also was he's cut a number of age categories and, and he's cut, I think, the number of teams from three to two in all the categories. And that means that there's, we, we don't need as many anymore. And we're focusing probably on, yes, the elite players of those generations, but, but we're not doing the sort of, um, you know, the general... Um, Giving other kids maybe a chance, even though you know they're not going to be professional footballers at Marseille, we're not we're not doing the the overall thing, which is you know letting them play with in a club with professional structures and stuff. So it's collapsed. Um, was it was it was it was it needed in the first place? Probably not. And it's again another feel good PR stunt that has completely backfired for all. <laughs> And he, he looks like a
1: clown again. That's really interesting because I I didn't really know anywhere near as much about it as, as as you did, obviously. And I I guess I was probably sold into the kind of um, the dream, really, that this was some sort of um, great thing that was going to see us get access to all these local talents, and that we could sort of start emulating. You know some of the clubs that I'd like to see us emulate. You know, like your Bill bows and your bastles and things, um, and have yeah. But I think you're you know you're you're quite right. At the end of the day, what does it matter? If the parents think the best the best interest of their child is to go somewhere else, and that is always what's going to happen, isn't it? And I guess um, with with the kind of club that we we are, um, and or, or how we've been. And, you know what we've shown the uh, young players over the years. It's quite clear that we are not willing to give a massive amount of opportunities to young players, and uh, it's hard to see how that's going to change anytime soon, unless we have a real catastrophic um, d- economic downturn, which is highly possible to be honest in the future. But even when we thought it was going to happen last couple of years, we're still not seeing the young players being bodied through. So unless some it, something seriously significant happens to us or we have a coach who's just really, really committed to developing the the young players, it's not going to change, is it? And the only thing I can really think of is having a feeder club and then some sort of stable agreement with some other club where we send our players to develop. But I don't know if that ever works. I'm not sure there's any examples across Europe where... Clubs are um are sending the players to uh, another club and they're consistently coming back, improved players and ready to break into that team. I'm not sure that that, that actually is something that works. I don't
2: know. I th- I think for the for the oh, for for the feeder club, I think the best ex- the best example is probably Liverpool, with their their all their clubs around, which are like sort of feeder clubs, but mostly. All around there are other academies i think for marseille or for next gem and to i guess to to maybe spill a bit of a positive one on, on that um i was Obviously, I was reading a little bit about it, um, and and a, a good friend of mine um, has gone through the ranks of uh, Istres, which is next to next to Marseille, and then became a professional in Monaco instead of Marseille uh, a few a few years back, um, and was explaining to me the the process. And then when Next Gen came, I talked to him again um, because he's still uh, he's still in the professional football um, about what it meant. Um, and what he was telling me was um, that. You know, like you said, at the end of the day, families have the the right decision, uh, the right decision. But Istres at the time was with Monaco in a partnership. And basically, if a team was coming to approach him, the, the club had sort of due diligence to call Monaco first and say, hey, this team wants this player. Just to let you know, they're going to approach him. If you want to look at it, look at it now because it's being approached. And I think that's what's happening with Marseille and, and Next Gen now. Now the I was reading an article on uh, on Le Phocéen of one of those uh, feeders' club uh, who was talking. So the guy from Plan de Cuc, who was saying that yes, three clubs left Next Gen, but there are still 20 more clubs. And he was also saying that it's uh, like it's a slow process, and that we shouldn't expect any results um, until like. 2024-2025 for this program, so the 2004-2005 the generation, um, I think it's such a complicated situation because, like you both said, and, and that's right we are sending the wrong message to those kids by buying Luis Enrique and by getting Nagatomo instead of getting young kids out but also, when we get young kids out, like Maxim Lopez, if they're not Zinedine Zidane we trash them, and we say that they're not good enough, and that they can't make it Like, I feel like we are half a season away from saying that Camara has no future. Um, Just almost just because he started in Marseille and for when they start in Marseille and when they come young, I feel like the pressure that half of the supporters are putting on them is so big that it's also very hard for the youth to come up in Marseille. I think, you know, we don't have the... The mentality, I guess, or the majority of the supporters don't have the mentality of the Lyon supporters who would sort of stick behind their youth, whatever happens. Uh, I feel like if our youth, like I said, if they're not Zidane after five games, uh, we're like, oh, why are you putting him on? You're burning him. Da, 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 da. So, I think, as everyone knows, the Marseille context is particular. Uh, I think it's probably harder to get young kids out, but I also. I, I guess I hope that the next gen, although I agree it was PR to start with, uh, I hope that with Nasser Larguet, um, and uh, I not remember the name of the guy who's in charge of next gen, um, they are actually working to try and get those people in um, slowly but surely, and not only focus on the three big club, which Burel, uh, Maxim Lopez, former club, is definitely the best youth club in, in the region, um, like they have the best young youth academy in the whole of Marseille. Um, th- those people, those clubs might not be with the project anymore, but there's still 20 other clubs from uh, lesser known um, cities around or villages around. Uh, but the day one star comes from one of those clubs, then we'll be like, oh my God, that was amazing. So I think it's, it's a lot of communication both sides. Uh, the one thing where Marseille needs to be better is to... Yeah, stop spending 10 million dollars, 10 million euros, excuse me, um, on a player that we don't know anything about when you could spend half of that or maybe a tenth of that in a younger player here who knows the language, who knows the culture, who knows what to expect in Marseille and who probably will have a better chance of being a success.
1: Yeah, Um, just. Wanting to sort of finish up, actually, I know we're kind of out of time, pretty much. Um, I know we said there was another um, topic, we were, a new topic we we're going to cover. I don't know how much time we've got to go into it, really, but we can just sort of briefly mention that. Um, well, we fucked, aren't we, financially? So we, there's been some interesting developments with the the league uh, with league TV rights and that the company that. Um, has the contract is collapsed really, um, and it leaves us an, an really un- and all the clubs in France in a very uncertain position. But we could expect that our future, you know, coupled with COVID and the problems that we had pre-COVID, um, you know, o- o- over expenditure under McCourt and 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 disappointing performances on the pitch. If our financial future is looking very grim, isn't it? Um, so yeah, I, d- I mean, I don't know if I want to say too much about that because it's it's quite a miserable topic. Um, unless anyone's getting anything to well, add to it's, it, it but... it's
0: grim. I mean, um, and again, again, uh, you know, Iru and Olaz were at the forefront
1: after the decision to give the rights to
0: this company, saying, "Oh, you know, finally, league is is going to progress, and we're going to that people are under, you know, appreciating the work we're doing with the clubs and." trying to generate you know, a spectacle and an attractive league for players and all of that. And the only, the only positive thing they've done is rebranding it the League of Talents, which I think is the smartest thing they've done for, for, for 10 years. But it's just, it's just a joke that they were all parading, saying, oh, you know, congratulations to us for all this work we've been doing over the years to make this league attractive. And finally, our broadcasters realised the value of that. And, well, actually, no, because there's no fucking subscribers to the channel. And they, they completely skewed their, um, their market study up because they've they priced, they priced a lot of ordinary people out watching the league. So it's had the opposite effect. And now they've got to eat their, their hats because they were budgeting on, on the, that increased TV revenue, which for each club, let's face it, was an extra, you know, over the four-year term that they, they, they've been given the, the rights, was a, um, you know, sort of, 30 million, 40 million increase to their annual budget is fucking gone. It's gone in the, out of the window. It's gone, vanished into thin air. And now Canal and and Sports are in the position of power where they're going to they're gonna put a rescue package together and they dictate the price and the terms. So it, it's just very poor oversight and very poor decision making and... and, and um, Sort of due diligence from everybody at the league and all the club chairmen for just being attracted by the short-term game and not not thinking that, that you know they, these guys got got hounded out of Italy three weeks before the league started two years ago because they couldn't guarantee that they could pay the whole season. So how we've fallen for it in France, where even Italy saw through it, is is a complete shambles. And I'm pretty sure that there's going to be investigations and all sorts into. Probably, you know, bribery and corruption, corruption and and dodgy dealings in the way it was awarded to them.
2: Yeah, I have to agree with Ben. I think it was just a a, a series of mistakes and lack of due diligence and and lack of oversight. Twenty five euros is stupid. I think when I remember when Bing started and they put nine ninety nine, everyone was like, "Wow, oh, that's amazing!" And they had most of their campaign built on this, and then they could charge more a year later. Uh, yeah, I think it was so many mistakes one after the other um, that that showed that, and everyone else saw it. But the the people who are in charge of Ligue 1, which makes it, um, or football version also in France, which makes it really really sad. But yeah, it's just it's just a, a really it's look. It makes us look really really dumb. Okay, so
1: I, I'm feeling really um, downbeat now, you guys, about this. Uh... Um, from this podcast, which was not what I was expecting, I thought we were like, yeah, we've got like six wins in a row like great, it's going to be a much more positive show, but actually there's a lot of things to kind of um, feel melancholy about it seems like so yeah, anyway I'm going to wrap it up, but um, just thinking more positively, six wins in a row, beat Monaco, that was what we thought was probably going to be our toughest game in the run up to Christmas it's not bad. You know, we're doing well in the league. Plenty to smear about as well. PSG are losing right now to Lyon. But that probably benefits us. We're going to win the league, guys. So, yeah, um, thanks very much, everyone, uh, for listening. And thanks, guys, for taking part. Cool. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Evan. Thank
2: you, everyone.